Welcome to the Passion Purpose Power podcast. I'm your host, Ames. I'm a neurodivergent, fat, queer counsellor, coach and clinical supervisor. And I love stories. I love hearing your stories. I love sharing stories. And I love talking with people about their stories. In this podcast, I'm going to introduce you to interesting people with interesting stories to share about their passions, purpose and power. If you love this podcast, please don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss any amazing episodes. And come and find me on social media. I want to hear from you and please share your stories with me. I'm very, very lucky that I get to have a chat with one of my friends uh, on this episode of the podcast. Um, she is someone that I have known for years, went to school with, but have not really kind of reconnected until more recent years. Um, and that's really exciting. So I'm going to introduce Ruth to you. So Ruth is a writer, theatre maker and educator. She has what she calls a portfolio career, but the thread which runs through everything she does is a desire to enable others to work towards a more equal world and to tell stories. Why stories? Because stories can and do change perspectives, minds and the world. Because joy and entertainment are soul-fillingly important and because stories unite and give voice and reveal. I love that. I love that. That's so exciting. Uh, welcome, Ruth, to the podcast. Thank you. Hello. <laughs> uh so i kind of want to ask everything all at once um but let's start let's start with passion let's start with passion so that introduction is kind of full of things that you're kind of passionate about and that's what you've kind of made your career uh around but what to you if i was to say i was if i was to ask you, you know kind of what what excites you what gets you fired up what are you kind of like what do you most look forward to gets you out of bed in the morning and that kind of thing um, I think probably that I could say the, the thing I'm most passionate about is enabling others in some way. I um, I taught for 10 years in the state education system. I still am an educator. I still teach. Um, I don't just work with young people. Um, and but I think that's the, the biggest thing for me is is helping other people to achieve things and whether it's um, an older person who I've worked with recently who was told at school that they couldn't write and yet at the end of three sessions with me had written some little poems and said they they sort of finally overcome that idea that they were just not very good at writing they couldn't do it and uh, that person was in their 80s and that's just a fabulous thing to to know that that I've had a part of just helping somebody to do something they thought they couldn't, whether it's a small child tying their shoelaces or, or like I said, an older person who who thought they couldn't write and has written poetry. Um, I That's what I really love doing. Yeah. Yeah, you can hear. How did you how did you discover that? Like, I, I guess I'm interested in how people find what they're passionate about and whether it just kind of emerges out of life, career, being bored. I don't know. How, yeah. What, what, can you pinpoint when you sort of knew that that's what you were most passionate about? Well, I've known you since we were teenagers, but even before that, I would line my teddy bears up on my stairs and I would take um, the little cards that I'd made and I would teach them how to read or how to do maths, even before I could read or do maths. So um, I, I've, uh, I've sort of always wanted to teach. I then spent a significant period of my life definitely not wanting to be a teacher. When I went to university, I did English and theatre studies. And I remember sitting in the careers office at my university and saying, what can I do that isn't a teacher with an English degree? Um, and then I was listed the other options and I sort of went, oh, Maybe I fancy. No, I'm definitely not going to be a teacher. And then um, out of university, I spent a year doing office temping jobs and then went, OK, finally, I'll go and I'll do my PGCE. Um, and like I said, I taught for 10 years and I did and I absolutely enjoyed every, every minute of it. That might be a lie. Um, I don't think any teacher enjoys every minute of it, but I, overall, I enjoyed it. Uh, and then I, I I came out to have children, decided I couldn't balance the two things, uh, but also felt quite frustrated within the uh, education system that 
just doesn't work quite how I'd like it to. And I'm sure there are many teachers who can tell you how much better the education system could work. It's probably best I don't get on that soapbox right now. Um, but I've continued the, that passion of facilitating. I like to say facilitating now rather than teaching because I really do believe that one of the issues within the teaching world is the power dynamic that goes on and the idea that the teacher is all knowledgeable and all powerful and can't admit to mistakes is uh, outdated and not helpful in my opinion so I try not to call myself a teacher in the little intro I've used the word educator facilitator something like that I don't see myself as as the sort of didactic teacher but as, as somebody who facilitates somebody who helps um, uh, coaches whatever which which words you do coaching don't you but those those words I think are much more kind of um in line with what I like to to see because I, I also I learn from everybody who I help including that small child that I've learned helped tie their shoelaces I learn from them too we all learn from each other so yeah. that's my kind yeah. of passions I kind of want to press you more on that <laughs> more on the why is the education system so terrible um but I think oh. you've kind of you kind of explained for you just a, a clash of values I suppose and, a, and sort of yeah. needing it to feel more equal absolutely a clash of, and that's that is not a comment on individual teachers within any education system. of course uh, yeah. but the systems I feel are quite constricting I don't think that the outcomes are necessarily in line with what is best for students I don't think that we are always within education systems helping individuals um, and I mean I don't get me wrong I absolutely appreciate that especially the state education system is underfunded uh, there are too many you, you can't teach 30 individuals in a classroom you just can't um, but that doesn't mean that I can sit in that situation and feel that it's okay um, yeah so I find different ways to do that now yeah 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 you have you have that's exciting um and so you so you studied english and theater and you mm -hmm. kind of combine that now so tell me a little bit about the the theater performance side of of ruth <laughs> uh well so as i said I, I taught for 10 years then i um had children spent a little bit of time doing that and then i um well i decided i wanted to write um and it's something that I don't always acknowledge in myself, but other people always notice about me. Basically, if I say I'm going to do something, I usually do. Um, and so I decided I wanted to write something. And so I started off writing educational resources uh, for a small education company um, and thought, oh, yeah, I've, I've written, I've got five or six education guides to different specifications of English and drama um, qualifications at various levels. Um, oh, there we are. I've, I've done something. And then I thought, well, actually, is that what I wanted to write? Or is that just the easiest way to have got into writing to essentially write down what I know about teaching? Um, and I went to a um, writers meeting in our little hometown of Cologne, uh, run by a charity that I might tell you more about later called Wordfest, uh, that I'd not heard of at that point, and um, sat with these actual authors, some of whom lived in Cologne and thought wow that's quite exciting and everyone was sort of going oh yes well I've written this book and I've written this book and I said well I've written a couple of photocopyable educational resources does that count um, and so then I decided I wanted to write more and so I went on a playwriting course with the Theatre Royal in Bath which was great fun uh, my my compatriots on that course will uh, they still take the mickey out of me because uh, we had to write a, a play, fine, fabulous. Uh, everybody came in with their, all their serious plays. I wrote a play for preschoolers, which contains the words red, orange, yellow, said in different ways. <laughs> so it's a good play, don't get me wrong. But it is not, not quite what everybody else was writing. But then that's also a little bit me. I don't like to do what everybody else does. I tend to bend rules a little bit. Um, and then alongside that, I also got a, um, a applied for and, and won a very small award for um, the Reading Fringe Festival, 
to take a piece of children's theatre, a scratch piece. So that's a piece that's in development. Um, uh, and they gave me a small bursary to create, a, to take a piece of scratch theatre to um, the Reading Fringe. And so I thought, right, I again, this is how I motivate myself. I say yes to things and then go, how am I going to achieve that then? <laughs> and so that was um, my very first piece that has developed into what I now call the Invisible Museum, which is my one woman um, time traveller show uh, for seven, seven plus seven year olds and their families. Um, and it's all about, uh, well, it's got various iterations now. So I've got the original one was about women in STEM through history. And that's the that's the seed that went to, to Reading Fringe and got my very best review, which was it's better than swimming. I don't know how much that person <laughs> liked swimming or not, but whatever, it was better than swimming. So that's that's still my favorite review that I've ever had of a piece of work. Um, and then, yes, I've, I've then used that story again. What the other bit that you said in my. Um, introduction about loving stories because they change the world my character um, in the invisible museum is a time traveling curator of a museum from the year 2250 and i go back in time and i visit and i talk to all these people who are invisible so who have not had their stories told in the history of 2250 quite so well and i collect artifacts from them i collect their stories and then i happen to have my time my time machine breaks and therefore I'm stuck in whatever year it is now 2023 um and I tell the stories and we fix the time pack together and it's got versions with like I've said women in STEM it's got versions with um women in sustainability um it's got a, a version um of Victorian women I tend tend to focus on women because that is one of well, because it's the invisible people, quite often women have been through history. Um, there are also um, people of colour, um, people uh, with disabilities, uh, people with sexualities that weren't accepted at the time. Um, so it's trying to, to tell those stories that people might not have heard uh, so that they go away knowing something else. Mm. Have I rattled on enough, Amy? What were you talking about? Where did that start? The whole time I was going, I know really cool people. <laughs> what an amazing show. What, what a fantastic idea. And and I suppose it speaks to that part of you that is um the enabler, the 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 you know, you are you are lifting up voices of people that do not have voices anymore, whose stories need to be told and and yes yes to stories um which might be a good, good point to bring in the book that you've co-authored so um we're just going to touch on that a little bit because in a further podcast we're going to get um loretta your co-author to come on and hopefully talk about that book together which will be so so amazing but yeah tell, tell us a little bit about the the book so the book is called talking to children about race um and as you and i discussed before the podcast there's something to be said for the two white women talking about race but they are also conversations that we need to have with our children and um the way that this came about um is in 2020 uh, when we had the murder uh, when we had the murder of george floyd and we had the um blm um came really came to the forefront all the black lives matter um things and i owned in in bristol with colston and the statue and all of those sorts of things were going on um i have a very good friend of mine who I, who is the co-author um loretta uh loretta andrews who i met because we both have children who were born within a week of each other in that strange way that you do when you become a parent you um you meet you meet people perhaps you wouldn't have crossed paths with previously um so no, maybe I would. But Loretta and I um, got on particularly well because we've always seen the world quite similarly, but we have very different backgrounds. So um, Loretta is mixed race um, and um, she still lives in London, uh, whereas I now live in rural Wiltshire. And throughout this time, um, I or oh, at this time, I approached her and said, I'd really like to talk to you about what's going on and how we talk to our children. I am also acutely aware that um, I'm approaching one of my actually very few friends of colour 
to ask them to teach me what to do and that's not okay either and I am well aware that at the moment you've probably got 101 people asking 101 things of you so please if this is not a question you want to talk to me about tell me that um, but I would also value your opinion if you have the time and the and the space to have that conversation so we had a few conversations and Loretta shared what I had said to her um, and the way that I'd approached it by not expecting her to talk to me if she didn't want to. Um, and a friend of hers who was a publisher said, you two thought of writing a book. Um, and that's where that one came from. Um, and so in so and, and we had very long discussions at the beginning. I said, I don't think it's my book to write. Um, and Loretta said, that we should write it together and it should be the book that I wished I could read and Loretta wished she could have given me so that right. we've got a, a resource there that that helps people have conversations and it is aimed at I suppose if you're going to talk target market it is aimed at white parents yeah. because actually parents of color live this as well yeah. So it, it's it's aimed at, and, and it's about my journey and the things I've done wrong along the way and the cock-ups I've made. And and it's Loretta and I talking. We actually said all the way through, because we had calls like you and I are having now, we said we should have recorded those as a, as a podcast, but we never did. Um, oh, you should do a podcast. That would be amazing. <laughs> But um, yeah, so that's that's that one. But it's, yeah. as we said, I've talked for ages about it, which I wasn't intending. No, perhaps. Um, but it's helpful. That's probably but a bigger conversation helpful. with Loretta as well. Yeah, that we'll, we'll definitely get we'll definitely get uh, get you both on and talk more about the the concept of that. But um, but I think you've explained it really well and explained why it's two white people talking about this particular point of your life that this thing that you created and and uh, but yeah, we'll. Uh, stay tuned for a further episode on that book uh, about talking to children about race. Um, so if we were to sort of move on to talk about purpose, do you think there's a difference between passion and purpose? Do you feel like, what do you sort of interpret by the kind of word purpose? What gives your life purpose? Oh, that's a really big, that feels like a philosophical question. And we love a philosophical um, question. <laughs> what is my purpose? I, you see, the word the word purpose always strikes me as a little bit. Um, I feel like that's a bit grandiose. Like, well, do I have a purpose? Really? Yeah, I'm just yeah. another human. Um, we all have a purpose, just to sort of get on. Um, so I don't I don't know if I feel I have a purpose, and if it's different to my passion, but I. I, I, maybe that's where the equality idea comes in. I would, I am purposeful in trying to approach things that improve things for us all, because I see equality as being an improvement for everybody. Um, so perhaps yeah. if if I see that as a bit more of a purpose than a passion, I suppose purpose. It comes from passion and is also changeable. I think that I think that we can be passionate about lots of things at once. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the word the word purpose feels feels quite committed, doesn't it? What is your purpose? Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Maybe it's that's what's terrifying me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, let's. <laughs> this is probably going to be even more challenging, or maybe not. If we move on to the word powerful, because we've talked about equality and we've talked about race and uh, education and power imbalances there. If I was to ask you, what, when do you feel you're most powerful? Do you have a sense of what makes you feel powerful? Uh, this is just a podcast, isn't it? So no one can see the face I just pulled of pure <laughs> terror when you said that. When do you feel the most powerful? Um, Maybe not right now, because there's a wasp on the window. Would you mind if I just remove that before I get terrified? <laughs> yes, if it's in, obviously it's, it's inside. inside Don't remove, and I would like remove. to get rid of it and make it outside. Give me one moment. Please, Sorry. please get rid of the wasp. No, it's fine. I'm going to grab a drink. 
Oh, I've got headphones on. You can still hear me, can't you? I can, but that that adds more fun to my experience <laughs> of you getting the wasp out. It's gone. It's gone. Ah, there Yay. we are. Okay. I win. I am now powerful because I can remove a wasp from my own home. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Back to the terrifying. So that you might need to edit things. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna leave that in. I, Lexi, leave the wasp in. It was brilliant. Um, but also, this is going out on video as well, so people will be able to see your face. <laughs> um, but yes, brilliant. back to. Well, I think it's a. I think I do like. It's not that I like putting people on the spot, but sometimes stuff emerges from putting people on the spot, asking in deep questions. Um, I think as women, it, particularly, it's not a question that we're asked very often when we feel powerful. Um, and we can talk about feeling empowered, but we don't always, we're not always able to say, I feel powerful when I do X, Y, Z, or when I am this, that and the other. So, yeah, well, what do you think? Mm, yeah, when do I feel powerful? I don't know, I'm gonna give you a bit of a politician's answer and go slightly sideways. Um, because talking about race and talking about um, gender and talking about equality and education as we have been, I, I consider myself to be an intersectional feminist. So I feel like I one of the things I need to do is acknowledge the powers that I do have that are greater than other people's. Um, so I have the fact that I am white. I have the fact that I am middle class. Is that is that the right word? But I, I, I've been to university. I've got a, a, a relatively mostly affluent in comparison to a significant number of people's lifestyle I've got places where I have a position at the table that other people wouldn't have um, and yes there are places where other people have more power than me but I also acknowledge that there are places where I have more power so I suppose mm. for me the power is again in what I can do to help those who have less power than me or to give my power to other people um, uh, um, as well as trying to ensure that equality happens from those above down as well. So um, I, I have uh, had conversations with um, men who were old enough to be my father, um, who are, uh, who have attempted I attempted is that the right reason I, I think possibly even just through a and their experience of life um have considered it okay to patronize me uh because I am a younger um woman and um I pre I, I feel quite proud of myself and perhaps quite powerful when I stand up to those things um I'm always mm. too but um, I quite like being able to say, no, that's not okay. So for example, um, I, um, I've i been um, chair of trustees at the charity I mentioned a little while ago, WordFest for a while. I'm, I'm not again now, but I was chair of trustees for a while and um, I insisted on calling it chair because it could be man or a woman who was there. And I had somebody who insisted on calling me Madam Chairman um <laughs> most, mostly in a sort of sarcastic fun tone having a bit of a laugh um but i i feel like things like that even calling it out nicely equally in a sort of i i know you're only joking but mm. let's not do that please because that's not a joke that we need to do anymore because it's not funny um yeah. and let's just move on so I enjoy those kinds of moments feel powerful when I can have those kinds of conversations because I don't think as a younger woman in particular I felt able to call those things out I would probably just yeah. have smiled and, yeah. and carried on and gone well I can do it quietly in the background I don't need to argue with those people who do hold more power than me I can just kind of find my way around and I would say people, the 40s and my, my 40s are my best decade so far because I've really got to a point where I don't give a the blank with whatever word you feel is most appropriate here. Um, but I, I would, if if I feel like something's wrong, then I I will now say it. Um, yeah. Because I've yeah I've got to that point in my life. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably it. That's, That's so interesting. Power. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it's. I mean, I'd love to to see where it goes when people get asked this question because it is it's a leader of of all sorts of paths that, that 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 word can open up. But what you were sort of describing was in an interaction where someone is coming at you from a, a what what they are perhaps uh what feels like a more powerful position taking some power back in a in being able to equalize that power dynamic feels powerful it feels like like empowering i don't know yeah whether there's a difference between those two words um really but it feels empowering to be able to put yourself back up to a level that they perhaps didn't want you at <laughs> Whether yeah, it was and I think I think it is. Yeah, and I think it is about that that equaling relationships, leveling relationships. Um, if I'm working with young people, I don't come in being the powerful person in the room because mm. I don't believe that that's a good way to build a relationship with anybody. Um, mm. And so now that I am the person I have become I also don't expect anybody else now that doesn't mean I don't give respect to people who have more knowledge than me or who have more experience than me of certain things absolutely there's there can be respect there but there's no um in my mind there shouldn't be a uh automatic deference I suppose that's probably the thing yeah. that I'm not a massive fan of um for anybody i think it yeah. should always be about putting yourself into a position where you see another person as another person whether they're 90 or 4 whether they're a, a professor or a, a toddler it it doesn't matter they're just another person and and people deserve to be respected do you feel powerful when you are performing, when you are telling these stories and, and imparting, you know, that edu education of, of these invisible stories? Oh, do I feel powerful? I feel like I've been entrusted with something I want to do. I, 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 it's me that's entrusted myself. I wrote the piece, but I feel like I went nowhere. No, there's, there's a respect there for the stories that I'm telling and I want to tell them well. Um, and I want to respect the people who's who I am giving voice to. Um, do I feel powerful? That's a really interesting, because obviously I'm standing in a room as the center of attention, asking lots of people to look at me. Um, so uh, there, there, there must be a little bit of an enjoyment of attention, wasn't there? Um, but uh, powerful is a really tricky word, isn't it? It is. It is. It, it there is a power invested in me. There is. Yeah. There is a power, isn't there? If I've, if I've got, if I, if I'm in a room and there are people watching me, coming to listen to me, then, then I do have a power in that space. Of course, I do. Yeah. Um, and so I suppose I have to use my power wisely, um, <laughs> and ensure that I, I do things respectfully and well. Um, but I mean, I would also say that that my family might tell you a different story about what I'm like to live with in the run up to a performance, <laughs> um, which might be um, a little less pleasant for them, uh, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, yeah, is that power? No, that's anxiety. But um... <laughs> is, it, is it a ner quite a nervy sort of nerve related thing? It's funny. I I never think that I'm nervous, and I, it, it it doesn't come across as being nervous. Um, and but I am. Oh, now here's a little bit of an insight into me. I'm probably a bit short-tempered, um, and I'm probably a bit highly strung, and uh, so yeah. So I'm not quite so pleasant to be around uh, for. Well, it's not too long before the performances usually, but. It depends depends how long it's been between performances and um, and how much line learning I'm needing to do and how much um, remembering of what I'm sorting out and organising because being a one person show you're just reliant on yourself which means you've got to remember everything which has its pros and cons because obviously uh, I'm just reliant on myself that's nice but on the other side I've got nobody else that's helping me out or um, balancing it or 
supporting it, I suppose. So my family have to do the supporting, which which entails dealing with me with a short temper. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Well, um, tell us a little bit about uh, there's, there's two two more things that I wanted to ask about. Um, well, maybe three, um, but they're probably all tied in together. So uh, tell us a little bit about Wordfest because that was something that we were going to come back to. Yeah, so Wordfest is a fantastic local charity, um, which I got involved with. Yes, way back when, possibly about 2017, 2018, something like that. Um, and it is a charity which supports literacy development um, at all levels in our town uh, and the surrounding villages, the community area. Uh, so we have run learn to read courses for adults who um, whose reading levels were um, meant that they weren't even able to access college courses at the time although um, there's now um, some learning courses out there from Wiltshire which they can access um, we've run uh, theatre for schools we've run pop-up performances in town we've run uh, we've got a tail trail that goes around town which is a digital app that takes you around the town to specific locations and there are stories written by local writers um, and histories and there's an art trail now as well uh, then what else have we done we've done a stand-up comedy project for young people um, young people at risk of antisocial behavior or young people who are struggling perhaps a little bit and um, we had a stand-up comic come in and help them to do five minutes of stand-up comedy um, I've worked with her before it is very revealing to do uh, a project like that she's brilliant um, and um, Angie Belcher the, the comic that I'm talking about she actually has a whole um, set of work that she does with the NHS comedy on prescription oh. um, and um but she yeah so she worked with the young people we've done all sorts of projects and um the um yeah the point of wordfest is to support people at all levels so we also have a writers group for example we're going to have an anthology coming out uh, actually later this month there's an anthology of writing by Cologne writers those Cologne writers I met way back when and went wow there's other people that live in Cologne and they do writing it's exciting and there are, we had um, I think we've got over 30 pieces by um, around 20 different writers at all different stages of their journey so for some people it's the first piece of writing they've ever had published for other people they've got books and they've also written for this so it's 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 people at all levels and that's the sort of that's one of the reasons that I'm involved in it is because it does what I really enjoy and it supports people whatever their stage mm. to move on with their journey through mm. um, literacy being our focus but that also has often meant digital literacy and health literacy um, Oh, that's the other one. We are, we are um, supporting Evie's Book Swap, which is um, a book swap in Cologne in um, uh, memory um, of a young person in Cologne. And um, we're hopefully going to have a whole trail of book swaps around as well. Amazing. But it sounds like such a, uh, well, it's, again, it's it, with your values of uh, enabling and words being important and enabling people to tell stories i think that's um that definitely the writers group sounds like it kind of uh is right up your street <laughs> yep absolutely <laughs> um and you um posted something today which i didn't even realize that you were doing so is uh, the sort of work with older people um was a, a piece of work was that with your production company knapsack production no is that, that is just as a freelancer so uh, as i said portfolio career there's uh strings here my, my eldest um who's 14 said to me not that long ago uh you collect jobs like other people collect stamps which it's not I far from the truth um <laughs> we, we love that <laughs> but um uh yes yeah, so this is um as a as a freelance writer uh but celebrating age wiltshire is the um organization that I work through who are um, affiliated with the Wiltshire Music Centre um, which is a national portfolio organization of the Arts Council and um, Celebrating Age Wiltshire is um, about supporting older people in the community um, with a particular focus on those who might become isolated uh, so I've been involved in two projects with them one was called 
um, creative conversations um, where um, you go and work one-to-one -one for a period of time with an older person who has been referred to um, celebrating age wheelchair because they might need they they need something to support them potentially somebody who's moved to the area or who's um, lost family or they can be for lots of different reasons but um, an older people person who would value creativity as a support mechanism um, to help them so you have a period of of time um, where you we go into their house and start a creative conversation and there's um, various different artists that celebrating age work with so some people are visual artists some people are singers some people are poets um, and the idea is that you facilitate a conversation and and follow their interests and um, come up with things that will enable them to be creative around your own personal creative skills but you're you're paired with people who might have an interest in the creative skill that you have and so that's a lovely project that I do sometimes with them and then the one that I posted about today um, has been on my walking words project so walking words is something that I started last year um, so last year I was training to do um, to walk a marathon in aid of um, Julia's House Hospice, which is a local hospice um, uh, for young people. And um, I, I decided I was never going to run a marathon. That is, there are some things you've just got to say it's not going to happen, and that is one of them, but that I could probably walk one. So myself and a group of friends decided we would sign up to this, the Great Wiltshire Walk. Um, it's, uh, obviously takes a bit of training to walk for that far in one day. Um, and whilst I do walk a bit, I thought, how am I gonna get myself to go out for really long walks? And although I was doing it with a group of friends, we are, I think all of us are self-employed or freelance and mums. Uh, so you can imagine how many times our diaries actually match. So essentially we were all training separately, although we knew we were heading to go and do the walk together. And so I was thinking I'm gonna do like 15, 18 mile walks on my own. And whilst there is a lot of bliss in that amount of time on my own for me, I love my own company and peace. Uh, I also thought I'm gonna have to keep myself kind of engaged in things because uh, it's quite a long time to keep walking and my feet might hurt and I might need to take my mind off it. So I thought, well, I could take photographs, but I'm not really very good at photographs and they never really do what I want them to. What am I going to do? Um, and so I thought, oh, actually, I like writing. I like walking. So I'm going to try and do little word sketches of what I see as I walk along. So that's where it started. And I really enjoyed doing it. And I wrote some poems and I wrote some things that were just little like vignettes, sort of sentences, mixture of things. Uh, and then we did achieve the walk, yay. Uh, but then I, I wanted to carry on with it. And so my New Year's resolution, one of the first I've ever managed to keep this long was that I was going to walk every day and write something every day. And by walk, it's not always a long walk. Um, it's very rarely an 18 mile walk anymore. <laughs> um, sometimes it's round the block almost from where I live. Uh, and sometimes I write lots and sometimes I write a sentence. But thus far on the 17th of August, I have written every day, um, which I'm very proud of myself for managing that. Uh, but that, so that, that's the project that I've been doing personally. So I'm coming back to the question with the older people. And so having worked with Celebrating Age, I said to them about this project and they saw the bits I've been sharing online. And um, I firmly believe that everybody can be creative with words uh, and being dyslexic or not being able to, or not having nice handwriting or anything like that shouldn't stop it because words are a tool of communication that most of us use. Um, and, um, and therefore we can all write something. And so I said to um, Celebrating Age, I said to Rebecca at Celebrating Age, do you think we could do something with this project? And she said, yes. And so I've been working since April this year with different groups of older people, sometimes in shelter accommodation, sometimes in retirement housing, sometimes in care homes. Um, and at sort of different 
various different types of people um, where I do three sessions, three group sessions with them on walking words um, and we focus on different things. We look at, I suppose, the mindfulness involved in it. So um, when we can, we get out and walk, but it's been since April and there were a lot of rainy days where uh, we were inside looking at a flower, but really looking at a flower okay it's a, it's a pink flower but is it what does it really look like well where, where are the lines in it where's the green come from why is there a dark red bit around here what what does it look like um and showing people that they can play with language and that that can be fun and then they all get to come away with um a little walking words card so i make up a little card on social media where i share my writing and they're having those made up and printed off and and sent back to them with their own writing on and that's where, like I said, that older lady who said that she didn't think she could write, she'd just come and listen um, and then ended up writing. She's going to have little cards with her writing on that prove mm. that those words she'd carried since school about not being any good at it. Well, perhaps mm. they don't have to define her anymore. Oh, it's so, it just feels so empowering and emotional. Like just the, uh, I think don't I sometimes think we don't do well by our elders and elder people and they are often kind of voiceless and I think that that's an, another part of what you do very well which is giving voice to to people and that sounds like it was powerful to to be a part of and and to enable an, an older person to feel like actually I can write something yeah it's been it's been beautiful and it's been brilliant and mm. I mean I'm stepping into rooms um and and I've had to check my own kind of biases frequently stepping into a room and um saying right I'm going to I'm going to talk to you about my writing practice and we're going to do some writing and somebody comes with a notepad and says I write poetry and I've written poetry every day of my life. And uh, somebody else comes to me and says, well, I, I, I said to one chap, well, you've got a real feel for rhythm. And he said, it's because I'm a musician. I was like, oh, mm. ah, I didn't even think to ask what you did. And, yeah. he, and he's like, yeah, I've, I, I played in bands all my life. And wow. I write songs. Okay, well, poetry and songs are the same thing, essentially. So that's why you've got a real sense of rhythm. So I, I think we can often um judge people and that's actually that if you don't mind me meandering a little bit that was another lovely yeah. sort of moment where um i had an older person come into the room and um she really struggled with walking she came with a frame we had to make sure that the right chair was at the table because she could only sit on certain chairs um really obviously in significant pain with movement wanted to come wanted to tell us also told me she'd also written poetry her whole life had some brilliance she brought some of her her other poetry to show me which mm -hmm. was just beautiful um and then told us all of these wonderful stories about climbing in the alps and mm -hmm. um ski lifts that stopped because of lightning strikes and all sorts of things and you may you, you see this uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say the patronizing thing that came into my head. You see this little old lady, yeah, and then she tells you her story, and you go, "Wow, that wow, that's just smashed every kind of vision I had of who you are." Because a, you haven't always been what I see in front of me, and b, yeah. what whatever we are in a moment doesn't ever tell our full story, does it? Yes. Yeah. That's a really good reminder, and 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 there are evolutions and chapters of our stories that, I guess, as we get older, maybe le less people are interested in, or people are less interested in our stories when we're older. I've done I've done some other projects with reminiscence, and it's just really beautiful to be able to listen to people who perhaps don't have anybody left to listen to them, or don't feel like anybody wants to listen to them. Yeah. Um, and that's that's been yeah that's been really lovely thing to do I, I was involved in a project for the queen's jubilee which actually one of the um sessions of it actually fell on the day the queen uh the, the death of 
Elizabeth II was announced, which was quite interesting because that was the day that we were introducing. I'd done workshops with older people, reminiscence workshops about their memories of the coronation and growing up in the 50s. And then I'd done workshops with um, young people in schools about what it was like to grow up in the 50s. Mm -hmm. And then on the day that Queen Elizabeth's death was announced, we were bringing the older people and the young people together for the first time. Um, So that was quite a fascinating and powerful thing to be a part of, sort of regardless of how you may or may not feel about the monarchy. It was just really interesting to be talking about it there and then with people who were children when um, Elizabeth came to the throne and people who are children now, just at the moment when a new king was coming to the throne. It was really fascinating project to be a part of that. And and the children just wanted to know, well, not all of them, but my two favorite things. One child said, I don't know if I can ask them. I said, it's all right, I think you can ask anything. Well, I want to know about where they went to the toilet. So I was absolutely <laughs> go and ask them, and so then got uh, then then the um, older gentleman that he was talking to spent a very long time talking to him about the outhouse at the bottom of the garden and <laughs> wiping your bottom on loop on um, newspaper, which was hilarious. And the other question was, did you eat chicken nuggets? No. <laughs> that was my other. Or the or the really important questions. <laughs> yes, exactly. What did you wipe your wow. bum on, and did you eat chicken nuggets? When you're when you're eight, there aren't many more important questions than that, are there? <laughs> exactly, exactly. But yeah, on on a, I guess that's a, 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 I don't know if serendipitous is the right word, but like a coming together of those two things in mm. a really historic kind of way that you could never have planned. But what a what a fascinating time to do that that final bit. It's a story I'm storing up for when somebody wants to hear my reminiscences. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and my own experience of um, your walking words have been inspiring to me as well, because you, you know, the I think the it, it, for, for people listening, uh, do go and follow uh, Reese on Knapsack Productions. That's your. It's definitely your Instagram <laughs> handle, right? That is. It's Knapsack Production. I think. I don't think there's even oh, an ad. Uh, okay, and that's <laughs> I'll include the link. Um, but what I love about them is that they're, ju- they're just short. They're short. And so sometimes when I'm thinking about writing something, because I'm used to sort of writing songs, if I've just got a line, I think I'll just, I'm, what, I, what am I going to do with that? It just sits in my phone forever and I never really finish it or add to it. So it was really inspiring just to see your mind you know those mindful moments when you're out walking in on an instagram post in a really you know short form thing and i was like i could do that i could do it and it inspired me to post one of the things that i've been sort of uh, mulling over for a little while um so i wanted to thank you for that because it is inspiring Oh, good. That's that's the idea. And I mean, for for me as well, I sometimes look back and think, oh, there's a typo or oh, I don't think <laughs> I wanted that there. But actually, I think that's that's part of it. That I'm not part posting things that are finished or polished. I'm not posting things mm. that I've spent a long time creating and then going, oh, I came up with this just now. Actually, it's <laughs> sort of three weeks in the planning. Yeah. Um, um, I'm quite honest about what I'm posting. and. Mm-hmm um and because I think it's the process for me that is as important and I might go and do something else with those things I might also not it might also just have been about that moment and I think that's okay as well sometimes we get quite keen on an outcome that's probably one of my problems with the education we get so focused on on an outcome a specific outcome and something that is considered to be an achievement um Mm. Uh, so I got asked a little while ago, are you going to write a book of your working words? I don't know. I might not. And yeah. for me, that might be almost as important to go, no, no, it's just this. This is all it is. This is what it's about. Yeah. It's about that and the moment. Um, yeah. Who knows? It, and I think this is what this is. I think maybe there was an interesting conversation we had about power and when you feel powerful. Maybe power is something that is imbued or bestowed upon a person so 
if I can, I mean, I'm sure there'll be people that are, uh, that are watching or listening to this going, Ruth is a powerful woman. And I really feel that like so strongly, like Ruth is a powerful, look at all of the things that she does to, to empower other people, but to hear stories and inspire and tell stories and encourage people. And uh, so for me, I feel like you are a really powerful woman. Um, and I don't know how that sits with you. <laughs> That's just a bit. I'm sitting here in awkwardness. That's what I'm sitting here in. <laughs> it's a lovely thing. I mean, it is. I don't. Perhaps it's a female thing. Perhaps it's a. Yeah. I don't know. But I think we're often not encouraged to um, celebrate all the things we do. So actually, talking through with you all the things I've done, I'm going, oh, yeah, we did that, didn't I? Oh, I did that as well, didn't I? And. Yeah. Sometimes, again, perhaps it's this, I'm trying really hard not to moan about capitalism, but this kind of treadmill that we're on, um, that we're always aiming for the next thing and that you're never finished and there's always something else, that you sort of forget all the things that have happened beforehand. I think if you, it's, it's actually really lovely for you to give me the opportunity to reflect on those things and to talk about them and to go, oh yeah, oh, I did that, didn't I? That's, that's quite good. Yeah. I, I was uh, I was in a hot tub the other day with some friends because uh, because I had the blitz nice went, went went to a spa and some oh. other people who I didn't know got into the same hot tub because we were in a communal space and oh, yes. um, we were all sort of talking about what we do and and what have you and I was with two very good friends of mine from university who I've known forever and uh, somebody said oh so what do you do I said oh well I'm sort of a, a teacher. Because that's quite an easy thing to say, and people Version. understand what that is. And then, and, and my friend went, "No, she's not," and then reeled off all the things that I do. Yeah, I think quite often we're encouraged to be modest, and yes. I, and and I, I don't think that necessarily that you want to be kind of arrogant and and braggy, but it's quite nice to go. Oh, actually, I yes. do a few things, don't I? And and I am reasonably yeah. worthwhile, and I am kind of doing things that are good. <laughs> you are. You're amazing. You're amazing. And it reminds me of a song by Imelda May called Proud and Humble. Um, and I think it's just a really interesting balance of being proud and humble. And maybe pride, because again, pride and power are two words that can easily be very negative. Mm. But uh, I think I think we should, uh, as women, uh, uh, claim as our own more more often than we do yeah that seems like a great place to leave the podcast (laughs) uh thank you so so much for agreeing to talk to me and um it's been really inspiring and i really hope that other people or or will also find it inspiring i think the takeaway for me is that it does nothing has to be perfect and polished and finished and you find you find inspiration and just go with it and and that is led by your passions so that's just such a a lovely story to hear so thank you for telling me your story thank you amy it's just been lovely to be able to be positive i so often get caught up in what's not working and how it needs fixing it's actually really nice to talk about positive things Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast and I really hope you enjoyed it. Please like and subscribe and if you really want to help me out I would love it if you could leave me a review and share my podcast with friends who you think would also enjoy it. This podcast was produced by Lexi at Digital Hero and the music was created by Charlie at Walters Music Productions. (laughs) 